I'm Stacy, and I'm Lani, and this is the, the Mysterium, Mysterium Podcast. Mysterium Ooh. Podcast. Oh, <laughs> I just have to do the little wiggly, wiggly. Yeah, no, I love it. It has to happen. I enjoy it. Right. Well, we're jumping back into it. We're well. We're attempting to. It's been about <laughs> a month. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a little while, so yeah, Lani's had rehearsals, sickness. Yep, it's been all going on. <laughs> More sickness. So, what was that? Was that you? Oh, I thought I put it on silent. Shut up! I'm, so, I'm not professional. Turn it off. I'm like, I'm not turning my phone off. <laughs> what is this? Not on an airplane. Um. Yeah. So we're gonna give it. We're gonna give it another good old go. Mm. Does everyone remember? To be fair, we've only released the other one because you didn't fucking edit it for ages. Yeah, well, there we go. Look, it's all worked out perfectly. Fine. <laughs> we should say, what's the date today? The 22nd of June. Let's see how long it takes her to put it out. Okay. <laughs> you watch it be out tomorrow. Better be. <laughs> and it's hot. It's hot today. Oh, my God. It's, it's like, beautiful. We're not complaining. Yeah, we've been in the garden for a bit, haven't we? We love it. Yes. Yes, it is nice. But it's, my house isn't built for the heat, so no. sweating over here. No UK houses are built for the heat. No, it's a joke. <laughs> anyway, we won't get down that rabbit hole. <laughs> we'll wait until more into summer when we're actually dying. Yes. To bitch and complain about everything. Yes. But yeah, welcome, guys. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Let's all have a great time. Have a great day. I need to get myself pumped up oh, okay ready to go <laughs> i think that works slapping yourself in the face i need to get into it yeah well i'm gonna tell you about the rest of john john robinson robinson okay you're in a weird fucking mood today i can already tell i'm sorry everyone <laughs> so, do this. I, does everyone remember where we left off so he'd uh he he just he dis- killed someone he disappeared paula godfrey Never to be seen again. Paul Paula. It feels weird jumping right into it. <laughs> but yeah. we're going. Part two. We're going. All right. So in late 1984, Robinson called Birthright, a local non-profit group that counseled young single mothers-to-be who didn't want to abort their babies and wanted to keep and support their children. He told Anne Smith, who worked there, that he and 15 other business leaders had started a phil- philanthropic organization i hate that word called kansas city outreach it was offered offering a six-month program designed to provide jobs training houses and other assistance to unwed mothers their words not mine um he claimed that prominent companies ibm who i used to work for weird (laughs) yeah and i guess it's xerox x-e-r-o-x i think that's quite a famous company in america Xerox. <laughs> I think it's like it's like Xander, isn't it? That's a Z bigness, isn't it? So. Xylophone. <laughs> um, yeah. So IBM and Xerox would be funding his group. Robinson wanted Birthright and the Truman Medical Center to refer candidates to him, as he wanted to give back to the community. So Anne Smith contacted. Robinson's probation supervisor asking for some background on him but as it was Chris- as it was the Christmas holidays there was a delay in them getting back to her uh oh yeah so in the meantime so maybe just like wait yeah just wait <laughs> I definitely think that's what you should do <laughs> I don't think like Anne Smith doesn't seem too dodgy in this she does actually try and but anyway we'll get into she it she just dumb 
Well, <laughs> I don't know. The book was very on her side, so I don't know. Well, I'm not on her side. Okay, well, she's not done anything yet. She's, Use your common sense, Anne Smith. She's checked up on him. <laughs> so in the meantime, the Truman Medical Center introduced Robinson to 19-year-old Lisa Stassi. So this isn't Birthright, where Anne works. This okay. is the other, like, place that he's also contacted. Okay. Um, so they actually, they don't fucking bother looking anything up. So they, uh, yeah, they introduced him to 19-year-old Lisa Stassi, who had been struggling. Her father had died when she was a young child, and one of her brothers had completed suicide. This, I've never heard of it. What? Completed suicide. Oh, that's the, that's the thing we say now. We, it's not committed suicide, because that's like implying that they're committing a crime and they're doing something wrong. Oh, that's it's like, interesting. I've never heard of that. Yeah. When so, did that become a thing? I don't know. I hear it all the time. Complete. That also sounds wrong, though. Suicided themselves? <laughs> I don't know. You can say killed themselves. Yeah. But I think it's you're getting rid of the committed bit because it's not... Well, let's not say completed like it's a puzzle. <laughs> well, I thought all the crazy kids are calling it now. I don't know. I don't like that and I will not be saying that. Okay. You, you and you alone will not be saying that. I refuse. Okay, uh, so, and her brother killed himself. This made Lisa crave stability. That's not funny, I'm just laughing at you. <laughs> this made Lisa crave stability and a, f- a family of her own. And in 1983, she met young sailor Carl Stassi and soon became pregnant. In August 1984, the couple married and in September, she had given birth to a girl named Tiffany. But this put strain on the new relationship. I mean, I kind of feel like it would if you're quite early on. Don't really know each other very well. When and is this? Did they have birth control? This was 1983. Four. Condoms. Did they, Just wear condoms. Did they exist? I'm almost certain they did. Don't know. Did they have plastic in the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> um... We sound like the dumbest bitches ever. Yeah, but there's all this stuff in America, isn't it, where it's like, oh, I don't know, you can't use stuff. It's like, it's abstinence or nothing. So they don't That's teach true. that, That's do they, true. in their schools? That's it's like, you just shouldn't have yeah. sex. And when you're married, you should have babies. Like, there's, yeah, I'm not going to go into it. Hi, America. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it put a, new, a strain on the new relationship and Carl re-enlisted in the Navy, leaving Lisa to raise their baby alone. Carl's a bit of a cunt. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to say it. Anyway, Lisa entered Hope House, a battered woman's uh, shelter. So it makes me think if she's going to a battered woman's yeah, shelter, what what's Bacal been up to? Um, in Missouri, she was living at Hope House when a social worker told Lisa about Robinson and his generous offer. She was said to be relieved and delighted to have some help, which she would be, like she's been struggling. Mm-hmm. So Lisa met Robinson for the first time in January 1985. He promised to give her a silk screening job. I don't think that's meant to say that. To improve read my own notes. <laughs> promised Uh-oh. to give her a sick screening job. I don't know what it's meant to say. Oh no, maybe it is a silk screening. I don't know. Job paying £800 per month, $800 per month in Texas. That's pretty good money. Or he could assist her in another training program near Chicago. Once she had left the Truman Medical Center, Robinson put Lisa and her baby Tiffany, as well as two other young women, in a roadway inn in Overland Park near his office. Not the Duplo apartment he had promised her, which yeah, it's already falling apart. 
Robinson had Lisa sign four blank pieces of paper and asked for, for names and addresses of several of her relatives. He said he needed them to keep her family informed as to where she was when he transferred her to Texas. It's like, why would you need to do that? Don't ever sign blank pieces of paper. He's doing his thing again, though, isn't he? It's like, this is what he does. It's like blank piece of paper, like, forges everything. On January 9th, Lisa and Tiffany met up with her sister-in-law, which is Carl's older sister, Kathy Klingensmith. Sorry, that's definitely wrong, but whatever. Um, When Lisa got to Kathy's house, there was a blizzard, so she ran inside with the baby and phoned the motel to check her messages. I guess it's like, nowadays, we wouldn't need to do that, because we have mobiles. Why is she checking her messages, anyway? I don't know, isn't that a thing people used to do? I don't know. Because if you were staying somewhere, someone might, like, call to talk to you. And if you weren't there, they'd take the message. I don't know. Um, I don't think it's important to the story. (laughs) She learnt that John Robinson was frantically looking for her and phoning everyone who knew her, asking where she was. Get in the bin! I know. He phoned Kathy and came and got Lisa and Tiffany, despite the terrible weather. So it's like a full-on fucking blizzard outside. Like, should not be driving. Um, Kathy was very concerned, but Robinson insisted he take them. Once they left, Kathy phoned her husband David and said something was very wrong. She felt Lisa and Tiffany were in danger and they needed to take action. So she obviously got a vibe. Mm. Lani's spooning salsa into her mouth right now with her finger. I'm not gonna re-eat that. <laughs> you can take that home with you. <laughs> you fucking scab. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with my finger or my saliva. I don't know where it's been. <laughs> um, once, Lisa, well, once Lisa was back at the motel, she phoned her mother-in-law, Betty, in tears. She explained that Robinson had said she needed to sign the blank papers or Tiffany would be taken away from her by Betty. So he's saying, like, oh, your mother-in-law's contacted me. And she's going to take the baby away unless you do what I tell you to. Does he think she's not going to fucking talk to her mother-in-law? I don't know. But also, she's 19 years old. Like, I can see getting a bit overwhelmed by this whole thing. And thinking, like, this is what I could get out of this situation. Like, this powerful job and everything. This great job for me. She must be feeling really, like, out of control. (laughs) This is a a sound, an audio medium. You can't just nod at me. (laughs) But yeah, for for the record, Lani was nodding at me, but I was staring blankly, <laughs> as if like, what is this bitch saying? Um, her mother-in-law told Lisa that this was not true, and she mustn't sign sign any more things. Bitch, don't be signing anything anyway. No, you're not a bitch. I take that back. Yeah, please that's take just that back. what I. That's just I use that in a loving we way. We to be fair, we're always like, bitch. <laughs> Lisa's last words to Betty on the phone were, I've got to go, here they are. The next day, the Clean Smiths, sorry, I can't say that, contacted police and FBI. Police went to the motel, but Lisa and Tiffany had already been checked out. They learnt that her bill had been paid for by John Robinson using his business credit card. So he's not even hiding his identity as this usual. Is what, this is what genuine, like, this fucking blows my mind. Uh huh. I mean, he's so confident in the police being but rubbish he, that he can just do yeah, whatever he wants. Yeah, because they have been rubbish. Yeah, so, like, he doesn't get punishment. Um, the Klingian Smiths went to his office and David confronted John. At first, he seemed, like, really put out and hurt that he was being accused of any wrongdoing. But suddenly he literally, like, flipped and flew into a rage. He pushed David out of his office, leaving the man shaken up. 
Shortly after, David received a phone call from someone claiming to be a priest named Father Martin. He tried to tell David that Lisa and Tiffany were okay. When David called the Union Mission to ask about Father Martin, he learned that there was no one by that name working as a priest in the area and they hadn't heard of Lisa or Tiffany Stasi. So Robinson had taken baby Tiffany home to his wife. Nancy was surprised that John had custody of the child. So we don't know what's happened to um, Lisa at the moment. Uh, Tiffany was in a bad condition. She had a dirty nappy, had dirt under her fingernails and seemed quite upset. Nancy gave her a bath and took care of her. She had raised four children and knew how to show love to this poor baby. John told Nancy that Tiffany came from a private adoption and he'd paid $4,000 for her. He gave the baby to his younger brother Don Robinson and his wife Helen and charged them $4,500 in adoption fees. Wow. Wow. He's straight up selling children now. Yeah, but also he got that baby for free. <laughs> Which I know is not the worst thing, but like <laughs> he charged his brother. I'm so outraged by that. I'd never do that to my family. <laughs> yeah, that's not the problem here, Stacey. Um, <clears throat> yeah, what what dick? At least the baby's okay. I know. The, the, the brother and sister-in-law that he gave her to are really loving like i'll get into all of that like they're good guys good they didn't know any of this how do you come from what's wrong with this dude i don't know it's like anything with serial killers with brother and sisters that only one of them turns into a serial killer he dropped on his head did he have brain damage i don't know there's nothing is he alive okay we're on part two babes sorry i just want to know if we can still study his brain or if it's long gone I can't actually remember. But I will, when I get there, I'll know. It's been a month. I researched this. Um, John claimed that the baby's mother had comp- killed herself. Fuck you. They renamed her Heather Tiffany and thought they had adopted her legally. However, it would later come out that John had forged the adoption papers. Because of course he did. Um, her mother Lisa... John? forging something what huh doesn't sound like him doesn't sound like him at all he's such a good guy yeah man so um yeah lisa was never seen again that's sad no one knows we don't still don't know no what yeah isn't that the case with the other girl as well yeah there's a couple that we'll never find holy shit um how that blows my mind i know it's like they're somewhere well i don't it depends how he anyway we'll get there we'll get there we're rushing it. <laughs> Once the Christmas holidays were over, social worker Anne Smith became concerned when her background check into Robinson started to show some discrepancies with what he told her. See, Anne's not bad because she hadn't sent anyone. Oh, okay. She waited. Sorry. We'll take. Um, oh, that's why I was trying to kind of guide back. you. Like, take it back. Fine. Um, I'm quick to jump the gun. Listen. It's fine. You're feisty. Really, yeah. <laughs> He wasn't a member of the church he listed and he wasn't on the board of Olathe Bank like he claimed to be. Anne Smith contacted the Missouri Board of Probation and Parole and told them about Robinson. Probation officer Stephen Himes started to look closely at him. He was confused because a missing woman and child was not the con man's MO. Usually con men avoid hurting people as they know the penalties are much more severe than simple white-collar crime. Himes contacted Robinson numerous times telling him he had to come in and after ignoring the first few notices he finally met with Himes on the 24th of January he seemed upbeat and friendly he's quite charismatic I think like because he's fugly 
<laughs> I don't know how he gets so many people to like invest in different things in him, but he's very charismatic. He must have a real way with words. Yeah. Well, he was forthcoming with information, but Himes could sense he wasn't being told the truth. He asked Robinson about a property in his name, which he suspected was being run as a house of prostitution. Robinson said he was housing two young women there and that Himes could come over and talk to them himself. Himes contacted the police about Lisa Stasi, but they said they didn't believe a crime had been committed because there was no evidence. <laughs> what a surprise. They did acknowledge that Paula Godfrey was also missing after dealing with Robinson, but they hadn't pursued the case as she'd sent her family a letter saying she was okay. What the fuck? So they are aware. They've pieced it together that there's now two women missing. I fucking hate the police. <clears throat> yep. <laughs> like what did we say for fuck the police um, two type letters were sent to Stasi's family um, and a social worker at Hope House with her signature they confirmed to Himes that it wasn't the way Lisa spoke and they didn't believe they were from her so once again he's got letters why would you like? I don't know it frustrates me so why much why would you type out a letter and then sign it at the bottom either like yeah. to your family yeah exactly it's not you wouldn't do that. You don't do that. No, no, not unless you're a psychopath. Literally. Why would anyone do that? These are young girls. Yeah. like, And they seem close to their family. Yeah. Like the family they do have. In 1984, Robinson was taken, had, sorry, was taken, had taken on a lover, 21-year-old Teresa Williams. Ew. We really need to be nice to Teresa, okay? Just warning you. Fuck you, Teresa. No, I'm joking. Really don't want to be doing that. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm joking. I know. I made you walk into that to be fair. <laughs> right. He moved her into the that property that Heim suspected of being a prostitution house and s- she performed sexual favours for men who paid her. So she was a sex worker. Um, Robinson paid for her bills and gave her marijuana. The longer she was with him, the more sexually violent and demanding he became. Robinson paid for her to go to a mansion where she was tied to a rack and blindfolded. The man who paid for her services began stretching her fucking torture shame what yeah now if you're into that kind of thing fine but maybe get permission first like consent first this seems a bit fucked up um this was too far for Teresa, and she screamed to be released she was taken back home and once robinson found out about it he was enraged and took back the one thousand two hundred dollars that he gave her so i haven't put this in my notes but i remember it this was a judge who was from the the guy in the mansion that was <gasps> stretching her that doesn't surprise me yeah like literally at all so uh, a bad dude one morning in 1985 he returned to the house where Teresa was sleeping uh, I think I'm gonna need to let me just oh no the trigger's coming um yeah so he he returned to the house where Teresa was sleeping mm-hmm. he grabbed her by the hair threw her over her knee over his knee and spanked her she was they say spanked, but I mean, that's like... Spanking is like... It's like a kind of thing that... A consensual thing. Like, you're like, oh, you asked to be spanked or yeah, whatever. Or, or you know your boundaries of your partner or yeah. whatever. He fucking hits her like a kid. Like, yeah. smacks her. Yeah. Um, she was scared and shocked by this behaviour. He then took out his... Revo- took out a revolver and pointed at her. Teresa began to yell and beg for her life. He placed the gun on her forehead and said, if you don't shut up... I'm going to blow your blow your brains out. He pulled the trigger, but there were no bullets in the chamber. Right, so now this is a trigger for rape. So feel free if you don't want to listen, 
just move on for like a minute yeah just skip forward whatever um so he then used the gun to rape her (gasps) yeah saying that he was going to kill her she begged him once again to spare her life robinson just stared at her holstered the gun and then turned and walked out of the apartment oh my god that's horrendous i'd be packing my shit up immediately yeah fuck that running the fuck away fuck that Oh, I just got a message from a friend of the podcast, Steph, that says, where's part two? Oh. <laughs> He's coming. He's coming. Um, so Irv Himes came to the apartment unannounced and startled Teresa. She was terrified of Robinson and lied, saying she worked at his company. When Himes told her about the two missing women, she realized that she was next. He, she was his next intended victim. She told them about the gun incident and that Robinson had packed up all her belongings and said he was taking her to the Bahamas in the week in a week's time. He'd also got her to write down sentences that sounded like her. After hearing this, Himes took immediate action. But well, I thought you were going to say no. I just can't. I just I don't blame these women I'm at all, even slightly. They but got them. Like you're writing down sentences. And you're not thinking... Yeah, well, so I haven't hmm. gone fully in depth. There's a lot more into it. But basically, he's he said to her, like, I've got this job coming up now. We're going to travel around the Bahamas. Everything's paid for. But we are not going to have time to write letters. Like, but for me, I'm like, sentences that sound like you is different. Yeah. It's not like... She just signed this bit of paper so we can quickly, like, print off a... Well, not print off. I don't know. What, did they have print? They have printed in the A2. Yeah, so you could just print off a letter or whatever quickly. But you're still going to have to write it, even if you write it by hand or not. You're still oh, going to have to sit, sit and write Some it. Some people have way too much trust in fucking random creeps. I think, I've and got I think no trust fear. in anyone. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, this is the 80s, though. They don't really know as much as we know. You should still know if someone's been a fucking weirdo. I mean... The, I'm not blaming the women. I'm yeah. absolutely not. It's entirely <laughs> Sounds him. like you are. <laughs> no, it sounds so bad. I sound I think so you bad just right can't now. believe that it could happen. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just. And you're probably scared, like, what if that happened to me? But it wouldn't, because, yeah, you're. You keep everyone way back. <laughs> <laughs> but before Robinson could be incarcerated, another young woman went missing. So this is all happening at the same time. Like, he's doing this, and then they're looking into him oh. at the apartment, kind of thing. So in January 1987, so this is like a few years later. Mm hmm. Um, 34-year-old Catherine Clambit left Wichita Falls, Texas, to stay with her brother Robert Bales in Kansas City. She left her young son in the care of her parents as she was struggling with substance abuse and wanted to get back on her feet before reuniting with him. So she sounds like a good mum. She's trying. Mm-hmm. Um, Korean-born Catherine had been adopted into the Bales family and they described her as being very intelligent but she was also but she also had a wild side her brother was eager to help his sister and stayed looking for jobs that she could sorry uh, and started looking for jobs that she could try to get she could try to get fuck's sake right her brother was eager to help his sister and started looking for jobs that she could try to get but eventually Catherine responded to a job ad from robinson's office she started spending less and less time at her brother's and he was worried about where she might be staying she's like he's like she's not here Mm. where the fuck is she um after not seeing her for over a week at one point he contacted the police he was like i'm done with this this isn't normal 
He also phoned Robinson's office, but John wouldn't answer any of his questions. Bales decided to stake out Robinson's office because the law doesn't do anything. Yeah. All these people have had to do stuff themselves, like the dad that flew over. Yeah, they've all done their own own shit. Yeah. Um, and he, he asked law enforcement to, ha- enforcement to help him investigate. He had to ask them to help him. Good job, guys. Yeah. Police looked into Catherine's disappearance and interviewed Robinson. Why do Robinson. people become policemen? Because they just want to faff about and do nothing all day. No. And none of them seem to actually want to do their yeah, jobs. Yeah, who are the people that do want to do their jobs? I've not seen one yet. Like, even when my car got broken into and she came and did the little, like, what's it called fingerprinting yeah and then i was like you know what's gonna happen now she's like well we'll have to look in the budget to see if it's worth pursuing and they didn't pursue it and they didn't tell me that either it just nothing happened what do they do (laughs) fuck um yeah so police looked into Catherine's disappearance and interviewed robinson but ultimately there was no evidence that a crime had been committed how about a missing fucking person and two others Anyway, like, yeah. Catherine Clambit was never seen again. Just disappeared. Wow. I'm getting really wound up. There's something. There's like. There's uh, something. All these people have in common, guys. There's a certain mm. person. There's that, like a um, guy. I can't remember his name. Uh. <laughs> oh yeah, John Robinson. <laughs> that guy. What happened to him? That slimy, dodgy, fucking weirdo. Yeah. Now, there's a slight little bit of good news here. From 1987 to 1993, so what's that, six years? Robinson was fully incarcerated. They put his head, (laughs) his hands, everything away. He was finally incarcerated, first in Kansas, that was 1987 to 1991, on multiple fraud convictions, so not even for the missing women yet. No. Um, and thereafter in Missouri for another fraud conviction and parole violations. While Robinson was behind bars, he learned more about computers and the internet, which would later open up new opportunities for his future crimes. Because again, no one's caring about these fucking women. Wait, he was on the internet in prison. Oh, yeah, they, they get they get privileges. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, they probably get like TV time. TikTok. <laughs> they probably do have phones that have TikTok now. They probably fucking do. Ugh. <laughs> get in the bin. At Western Missouri Correctional Facility, he met 49-year-old Beverly Bonner, the prison librarian. Yeah, we can fucking the hate her. The prison librarian. You're, you have permission to. She's a slut. Oh, no, we're not allowed to say that. Allowed, we're not slut-shaming. <laughs> we're not slut-shaming. <laughs> Sluts are good. Yeah. Stacy's a slut. We love her. What the <laughs> fuck? Yes, Adam would attribute to that. <laughs> no. Um, no, she's not. Uh, she's a delusional dickhead. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so she was a mother of two sons but wasn't happy in her marriage. So get a divorce. So upon <laughs> Robinson's release, Beverly left her husband, a prison doctor. They worked together at that prison, by the way. Yay! Yeah, uh, and moved to Kansas to work for Robinson. After he arranged for Bonner's alimony checks, that's like when you get divorced, you get paid money. I don't think we call it that here, but anyway. I would fucking love to meet this bitch. <laughs> like, she what kind around. of human being are you to be oh, no, wait. so? Why did I say she might be around? <laughs> I forgot. Anyway, fine. <clears throat> Does she die? Good. I think so. I can't remember anymore. Good. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, so he asked for the alimony checks to be forwarded to the Kansas, a Kansas post office box. Her family never heard from her again. Who? Beverly Bonner. Who's Beverly Bonner? I've lost track. The woman we hate who's the... The librarian. Yeah, at the prison. Oh, so she did die. Okay, I'm going back because you've not listened to this. Before. Oh, wait. <laughs> right. So she was a mother of two sons but wasn't happy in her marriage to get a divorce. So upon Robinson's release, Beverly left her husband, a prison doctor, and moved to Kansas. Beverly is the one that disappeared. We haven't got there yet. You just weren't listening. Oh, I'm not Fuck listening. But I'm lost track. She's, she's, she needs a break, but we're going to carry on. <laughs> so after he... So he, she's moved to Kansas to work for Who Robinson. Who has? The librarian? <laughs> why are you not getting this what's, everyone's screaming at you right now you dumb bitch what's her, what's her name beverly bonner beverly bonner you can call her beverly boner if you beverly helps you remember. the librarian yes left her husband left her husband okay for a con man murdering asshole <laughs> yeah, he's well, not that, even a, i don't think he counts song. as a con man because he sucks too bad he's at it. He's dumb. He's not he's, clever. He's yeah. Like he's a... just lucky that he, the police don't care. Um, so after he arranged for Bonner's alimony checks to be forwarded to a Kansas post office box, her family never heard from her again. So she did die? We don't know. She just disappeared. I'm getting there. Don't you worry. Oh, okay. Uh, for several years, Bonner's mother continued forwarding her alimony checks... Why would you do that? And Robinson continued cashing them. He sent letters to her family. Is he not in the prison? No, he he got out. Oh, Oh, wait. You missed that bit. That's why I was confused. Oh, so he was in until 1993 is what I said. But yeah, I guess. There you go. What the fuck? Why didn't I include that? That's really annoying. So at some point he meets her while he's serving and then he gets (laughs) out and then she comes to work for him. Um, Yeah, but anyways... (laughs) Sorry, everyone. I'm new to this. Listen, see, you need me here for that. Otherwise, it would have I got so time. mad at you as well for not understanding. <laughs> Should I just start the whole thing again? No, we're, okay. we're going to keep that whole thing in. Yes. They can all be just as confused as I am. Okay, that's fine. And then they can all and now we hate are, me. Now we're <gasps> unconfused, guys, because we know it worked he got through. out it worked of prison and she disappeared because he killed her. Well, we're going to get there. She deserves that. He said, yeah, well, yeah, I'm not PC, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. This is not a PC podcast, guys. Well, wait, what's she done so far? She She's fallen in love with him. left her husband and her two kids yeah. for a man in jail that has very clearly killed multiple women and is just a bad guy. Okay. Yeah. And he's ugly. <laughs> he's fugly. He is fugly. Yeah. Her poor kids. I know, that does suck. Her poor kids, man. Anyway. He sent letters to her family suggesting Beverly was planning to go to China. China. (laughs) That's allowed. No, I was doing the Donald Trump. China. (laughs) That's how he says it. Oh, cut that a little bit. (laughs) Cut (laughs) Fuck. The letters were postmarked from multiple countries, such as Amsterdam and Russia. How the fuck has he done that? What people didn't realize... Because he nicked all those oh, posts. Do you reckon it's from that? No, I no, cause he, I think because he, he got caught for that. So I think, I think he couldn't keep them. But no, I said, how the fuck's he done that? And then the next sentence is how he did it. <laughs> I'm learning as we go. Oh, I should have read this again. Anyway, the letters were... Post- I fucking thought that's what you've been doing the last month. 
I wrote this a month ago. Your shit. I, f- I wrote this, it. You do ago. this. You should learn to read through your shit. You want to fucking lecture <laughs> me, young lady, who doesn't edit anything for fucking month? <laughs> I'm gonna fall out on this podcast. It's over. It's the last one. You're not getting a part three. Fuck off. You can't be <laughs> mad at me if you don't reread. <laughs> I can't read. Okay, I can write. That's about it. No. Okay. <laughs> The, let- the letters were postmarked from multiple countries such as Amsterdam and Russia. What people didn't realise was Robinson had paid for a service that not only hid the letters point of origin, but also postmark an overseas address on the envelope. I can't believe this is service. <laughs> what? Nothing. Did I really struggle to read that? I did that, yeah. You fucking embarrassed me. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate skin to this man. It fucking is. I'm dying. Right, I'll read that whole thing again. No, keep going. Enjoy it. I feel bad, okay? I can't read. Um, yeah, so did you understand that? Yes. Because he's paid a service. Yeah. It's like what we have nowadays with apps that have like a how to cheat on your wife thing and they'll cover it all up for you. Yep. You should be shocked, by the way, people that make those. God, I thought you meant... Me. You looked right, I was right, right at you. you I was like, I'm living. I was like, shit. <laughs> We are, yeah, we're very hot right now. So, uh, yeah, a, a year after bed. Why? Did you, fuck off. I'm oh, sorry, carry on. Can I go now? Yeah. Right. A year after Beverly had last seen. Oh, fuck's sake. I can't. <laughs> right. A year after Beverly was last seen in person, one of her sons died, but she didn't return to the funeral. So her family thought this was odd and out of character. I mean, yeah. <laughs> But the letters kept coming, so they didn't report it to authorities. Shut the. F- I'm sorry. Well, actually, no. Listen, listen. Let's think about this. I don't think Beverly was ever ever a very nice person. So maybe they were mm. like, good riddance. <laughs> yeah, they were like, we can just keep paying the checks over there. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Not our problem. Maybe anymore, they didn't guys. care. Maybe by then they they maybe were already she like sucked as a mum anyway. Like, yeah. Maybe they were doing great without. I mean, obviously the son wasn't because he's dead now, but. That's sad. I don't know how he died. It doesn't say, but I could probably find it. But we don't. We don't need to worry about that. So in 1994, Sheila Faith. Oh, so jumping right into someone else now. Oh no, sorry. It's because I thought we got to the end. Cut all of that shit out. Her family thought this was odd and out of character, but the letters kept coming, so they didn't report it to the authorities. So yeah, I did read that. Yeah, you read that bit. I know. It's because of the way I've written it. it. I just jump. So I think I was going to do a little talk in between and I just didn't write it down. So it was just... Yeah, so they, uh, yeah, they, didn't, they didn't do anything. So we're going to jump forward now to 1994. We were two years old at this point. So... Oh, sh- shit, we're alive. Yeah, in this point of the story, we've made it to birth. We exist <gasps> in we the exist. world. That's exciting. Same one as him. Yeah, well, I don't think he's around anymore, but we'll find out. Yes. In 1994, Sheila Faith had lost her husband to cancer three years earlier and had started to think about dating again. She don't had... date Joe. Is that his name? Joseph? <laughs> John. John. <laughs> I was like, Wait, what's wrong with Joe? Anyway, so... A lot of things. So she's ready to... Yeah. <laughs> Whoever the Joe is. So she's ready to get back out at it. Like, it's been three years. She's feeling good. She's feeling happy. She's like, I want to share life with someone. 
So she ran personal ads and would talk in online chat rooms, trying to cure her loneliness. I feel sad for her. Her 15-year-old daughter, Debbie, had spina bifida, but despite this crippling illness, she was described as upbeat and had a good sense of humour. Debbie didn't really act like she was differently abled at all. She would race other wheelchair users at the mall and she was determined to win her fight against the disease, something doctors had told her like it could be possible. Sheila got talking to a man from Kansas online, oh I wonder who that is, and started a long distance relationship. It's fine if you stay there, Debbie. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Sheila. She's Sheila, Debbie. Blah, blah. Anyway. Who's Debbie? Debbie's the daughter in the oh, wheelchair. Yeah. Um, he told her that he had something special, that they had something special. <laughs> I've got something special for you. Um, and if she came to live with him, he'd enroll Debbie into an expensive school and let her ride one of her, oh, his shit, gentler no. horses he owned. I remember this, but this is the worst. Yeah. I don't like this bit. Okay, well, we'll try and get through it. So before long, Sheila and Debbie left to join this man and start a new adventure. Almost immediately, they disappeared. And for the next seven years, John Robinson cashed Sheila's pension checks and Debbie's disability checks. In total, he picked up 152 of them, totaling $80,000. Shortly after the faiths vanished, Sheila's brother William... <clears throat> Sorry, Sheila's brother William Howell started getting letters that appeared to come from his sister. The letters were typed and he had her signature at the bottom. They would always say that she and Debbie were doing just fine. I think he gets off on that. Mm. I think he's got some sick, like, who can I contact and yeah. write this letter to? Like, he's gross. So during this time, Robinson had made a name for himself on online BDSM chat rooms and was going by the name The Slave Master. Ew! Yeah, so he's like, now now the internet exists. And he's like, oh, new pool of... Yuck! How old is he now? I think he's in his 40s. I th- yeah, he's in his 40s. He's like 45. <clears throat> That's where he met 21-year-old Polish immigrant Isabella oh. Lewicka. Who, Ew. Yeah, who also had an interest in B- BDSM. So she met, she met him like through the BDSM like chat rooms. Yeah. Um so she was living in Indiana and was a fine art student from Purdue University. Her parents had been scientists under the faltering communist regime in Poland. In 1993 when Isabella was 14, her family obtained permanent visas to the US and moved to West Lafayette, Indiana. Now, Isabella loved pottery and painting. She was like a really good artist. She was rebellious and loved to design her own clothes. Robinson promised her a job and relationship if she moved to Kansas City. So when she did, he gave her an engagement ring. Now, remember, he's still married to Nancy. So Is he? Yeah, this whole time. Huh? Nancy's not gone anywhere. What? Even when he was in prison, Nancy didn't go anywhere. What? Well, he's only in there for fraud. And she knows he's a fraudster. Do you know what I mean? She's lived with this for a long time. What's happened to this other lady? Is he still having an affair with With this other lady? With Barbara. Yeah. Yeah, he's still having an affair with... That lasts for 35 years. Whoa! Yeah. Wild. (laughs) Wild. Crazy. Oh, God. Just stay out of my bubble. (laughs) He paid for a marriage, marriage license, but never picked it up. And it is unclear whether Isabella believed that she and Robinson were married. She told her parents um, that she had married, but never told them her husband's name. 
Like what? She did sign a 115-item slave contract that gave Robinson almost total control over every aspect of her life. So this is actually quite common in the BDSM world. Like, it's like a known thing. I've always wondered about these types of contracts, yeah. Like, do they actually legally stand? No. No, they don't. No, they don't. It has to be... If for it it's, to legally stand, it's it has like to be like... It's like a kind of kink thing, part yeah. of it. Like, oh, this is part of it. But they, there's no legal no. standing with it. You can't fucking own a person. Yeah. So yeah, so she signed the contract um, so he could take over every aspect of her life, um, including her bank accounts. Sometime during the summer of 1999, she disappeared. Robinson and Isabella had been seen around the city. I love it when that paper falls. <laughs> um, a lot together. So when she vanished, people noticed her absence. Like she'd made a life there. How? If he's married to Nancy? Well, he's in the city. She's at home. So he's got like getting away with it i guess but also he tells some people that it's his daughter so so i guess the people that he knows he'll just say like oh i've adopted her well and she's got a polish accent oh adopted yeah (laughs) um so to cover for this robinson told a web designer he employed that she had been caught smoking marijuana with her boyfriend who didn't exist and had been deported back to czechoslovakia okay (laughs) because america really gives a fuck about that but okay um nancy had also noticed isabella's absence as she had as she had often seen her at john's office so nancy like knew her what the fuck she didn't know they were like in this sort of weird relationship it's not a weird relationship if it's what you want but you know what i mean like it's a secondary relationship yeah it's not like husband and wife kind of thing He's fucking her on the side kind of thing. So Nancy had also... Yeah, sorry. uh, She could sense John was attracted to her. And although he'd had many affairs in the past, she was worried this one was different. Their children were now grown up and she was concerned that John would now leave her for the younger woman. So, yeah, she's she knows what's up. Nancy knows something's going on. Uh, uh, Either Nancy is dumb... Well, or she knows way fucking more about everything he's up to than she leads on. Well, so I read another part, like a bit more of the book since last time, and um, well, a lot more of it. And um, they also own like a what's it called, caravan park kind of thing of moat. Oh yeah, I can't think what they're called. Like static homes is what we call them. Um, so and so she's like helping him run that. So I think she's got like her name in the business and everything. So now it's a bit harder to kind of. They're all a bit more wrapped up in things together. But, I mean, still. Okay, then. Okay, Nancy. You stay sure there. Sure thing. Yeah. So, happy for him to fuck other women. Goes to prison for a long time, but that's cool. We'll, we'll women out. disappear around him. Cool. I don't know if she knows that, though. How would she not know that? I don't know. Like, I feel how, like he keeps her out she... of it. How? <laughs> well, no one's, no one's talked to her. The police don't talk to her. We, no don't, one's... we don't know that. No one's, like, given an interview. Well, it's not on the book. And the book's very, like, slightly off. Nancy's straight up living in her own in, fucking world. In part one, we were trying to be really nice to Nancy, and now we're being mean to Nancy. I'm just being mean to everyone today. Yeah, you're in a bitch mood. <laughs> so around the time of Isabella's disappearance, Robinson had convinced another woman, licensed practical nurse Suzette Troughton, to move from Michigan to Kansas. Um, he said he wanted to travel the world, her to travel the world with him as his submissive sex slave. I really want to whisper that now that I know there are kids. Submissive sex slave. slave. Well, Suzette... 
sorry. <laughs> I tried really hard not to yell at you. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> right, okay. Whilst she said, dabbled in BDSM, she was ultimately looking for romance and a relationship. Suzette was also very close to her mother, Carol, and was unsure about moving so far away from her. Stay with her. Don't go. Um, the f- she first went to visit Robinson before moving to Kansas, and he picked her up in a limo and drove her pup. Wait, we've missed a bit. What? What happened to Debbie and Faith? They're dead. I remember. You said they went missing. You didn't say how they died or what happened. Oh, I think I come back to it. I mean, because the way I was writing it was that we didn't know what was happening to these women. Yeah. Well, currently we don't know what's happened to any of them. Oh, okay. So I'm just telling each story. That's fine. That's fine. (laughs) I just couldn't remember how I wrote it. And I was like, what if I don't come back to it? I might not. If I don't know, (laughs) I think it's fine. Um, No, it's fine. Plus, it's all in my brain. So I can just say it. Okay. It's fine. She first went to visit Robinson before moving to Kansas and he picked her up in a limo and drove her past a mansion which he lied and said he owned. I feel like you shouldn't believe that if you drive past in a limo. (laughs) This is too try-hard. It's like, well, take me in then. Um, It took a lot of convincing to get Suzette to move, but eventually she agreed. Her mother received several type letters signed by her that were supposedly mailed while the couple were abroad. However, the envelopes all bore Kansas City postmarks. So he's not using that th- that that service anymore because he's lazy. According to her mother, the letter mother her mother, the letters were uncharacteristic uncharacteristic. I can't say that. I can say it without looking at it. uncharacteristically mistake free mistake free. That's so mean. <laughs> so she often writes with this anyway. Uh, later, Robinson told Suzette's mother that she had run off with an acquaintance after stealing money from him. So she didn't call her mum and tell her that. Like, hi, mum, I can come home or anything. Just, she's gone. She's gone. Over time, Robinson had become increasingly careless and a number of missing women had links to him. By 1999, he had attracted the attention of authorities in both Kansas and Missouri. Oh, my God. Yeah. We're meant to act as if that's a good thing. (laughs) They're only just now being like... I know, after how... Well, this started in, like, what, the 60s? Yeah. Um, So, as his name came up in more and more missing persons investigations. So, we're going to leave that part. What, just, like, 15 missing people? Yeah, it's getting that way, isn't it? Now they've got round to it, just about. I mean, I like to think we've got a bit better, but... I don't think we do. I don't think we have got better. I don't think we have. I think CCTV's got better, so there's less serial killers now. Sorry you can hear the children. I think they've come home. What time is it? We should have been home ages ago. Go to bed! <laughs> <laughs> Do you say that's why we're leaving it? Yeah, we're going to leave that part. <gasps> oh my god! Oh my god, I know. And we're going to hear the next bit in a minute, but everyone else is going to have to wait like a week. <laughs> Yep, maybe longer, depends. I'm going to make sure she does it. I'm going to shout at her. I was too nice to you before because you were poorly, but this time we're like, we're gonna find. Are we going to find out what happened to anyone? Yeah, we are. I'm just going to quickly read through that. But yeah, we are. We really are. It, the last That'll be the last part, I promise. That'll be it. Good. Yeah. Thanks, Stacey. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Hope everyone's enjoying it. Yeah, thank you guys for joining us. Yeah. Join us again. And go on our Instagram. We like to know who's out there. Yeah, Stacey's in charge of the Instagram. I can't be dealing with that. No. This, yeah, if, it, if people that, that talk to me, it, it's me. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'll occasionally be like, oh, look at what this person said. I just get annoyed because I'm like, oh, there's a little red dot saying there's a fucking no- notification. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah. It annoys me. Well, I don't, oh, you'll still get that notification though. Just whether I mean, to be fair, my phone's always in my hand pretty much, apart from when I'm at work. So I'll, I'll just be like, ping. <laughs> I'll get rid of that dot for you, don't worry. Thanks. Yeah. There we go. But yeah, check out the Instagram. Yeah, guys, check it out. We're going to need a little break, I think. Let's go eat some snacks. Snacks? Yeah. Have a drink in the garden. Hell yeah. Sounds okay. good to me. Thanks, guys. Come back for part three and stay curious. curious. <laughs> she I'm on board. did it. I hate it still, but I'm on board. Yes. I like having something. <laughs> I'm having the best time ever now. Okay, bye. Thanks, guys. Love you. Bye. bye. I love you.